0: I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show, because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much
1: out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And the Lakers are uh, a night away from wrapping up their preseason, uh, six games this preseason the longest or one of the longest in the NBA. And it's been a productive one, Mike. And you just wrote a, a piece for Lakers.com kind of talking about the Lakers approach to this preseason. You are out there in Palm Springs. That's always a fun one. Lakers go out to Pechanga to you know play that exhibition game. Your thoughts as we wrap up this preseason?
2: Yeah, so the team went to Pachanga and then uh, had like a team event, and now the team is, as we're recording, currently en route from Pechanga, um, kind of closer to Temecula, out to the all the way in Palm Springs, um, where it is exactly 100 degrees um, at time of recording, which seems hot for this time of year. But uh, I, um, I like, I was trying to figure out the team going in these two often disparate paths of managing minutes, but then still trying to build cohesion. And throughout a preseason, that can be hard to do. Austin and LeBron only playing two of the four games and only playing about a half in each. Um, AD actually playing in four of the five so far and being the staple. Uh, Other players that are new, like Gabe Vincent, only playing three. It's been different pieces and different spots as to what uh, I think we're going to see in the regular season. And yet the encouraging part of that is that it somehow has all looked pretty good usually when you have that happen and definitely the last two seasons and definitely the last two preseasons, it didn't look as good. And it kind of leads me to that central question of basketball of you can sometimes just go play pickup. And if you've got the right mix of guys uh, or the right talent, or even just the right mentality going in, then you can be fine. Even if you don't have a perfectly laid out uh, as to who's going to set which screen where, and and who's going to have four out versus five out spacing and So that, to me, has been the encouraging part. Um, But with all of that said, Darius, I'm looking forward to Thursday's game where Darvin Ham hinted that we're going to see three quarters that simulate what's actually going to happen. And so, Darius, please tell me and Pete exactly what the rotation is going to be. Uh, (laughs) What are we going to see for this final preseason game? uh, And how is that going to look based on how things have looked pretty good, even without the optimal lineup so far?
3: Building continuity together and trying to do so with multiple guys sort of in and out of the lineup for a variety of reasons. I wrote about this maybe a season ago or a season and a half ago about the Lakers and the idea of conjuring continuity and how you could actually do that when you actually didn't have continuity to, to begin with, Um, with a whole new roster, which is what the Lakers have done typically every season with LeBron here the main conclusion that i came to in that piece is if you have the requisite amount of skill and you have the requisite amount of basketball iq you can conjure continuity even mm-hmm. if like it is a whole new roster now my example was the 2019-20 roster which had maybe like four or five holdover players um but brought in a bunch of new guys who were playing key important roles and that team was like a great mix of dudes and they all came came together and they seemed to find their roles together as a group and that traction that they needed to get off to a strong start was established pretty like pretty quickly this group brought back more players um that hoped to play key roles but even those players were relatively new, right? Based off of like, oh, they they came at the halfway mark, but the trade deadline's not really the halfway mark, mark at all. Um, and then even after that, LeBron missed a bunch of time to close the regular season. And so this group actually didn't have all of this time together outside of the playoffs to really build that cohesion. But um, every time this group has played like even any combination of four or five or six of what you expect to be a nine, 10 or 11 man rotation. If they've had like even half of that group together, mixing and matching those, those guys it's looked like pretty strong. So I just wanted to kick it to you with that idea that, that Mike presented and, and that continuity that they're clearly showing even without um, a whole bunch of time together.
1: Yeah. I think the continuity comes from, an application of the basketball principles that they've been playing well beyond just the Lakers. Like One thing that's hard, I think, to really wrap our heads around is how unconventional the roster has been in the LeBron era in that, for example, even the title team, our starting backcourt in the playoffs was KCP and Danny Green, and they were fantastic for us. But from a ball handling standpoint, that's actually a very unusual backcourt in the NBA. Usually you have at least one guy that does some things with the ball in, in his hands and neither Green nor KCP did that. They were also unusually big, right? Like being unconventional isn't necessarily bad, but there's, they were, they were really big at a bunch of different positions. And that would sometimes, you know, clunk up the spacing, but it would also be incredibly oppressive on the defensive end, right? And that speaks to the level of that, that chemistry that you get right away with a new group of guys that, yes, they had a few holdovers, like you said, but the overall thing just kind of clicked right away. It I think it comes from the defensive continuity where it's like, oh, you've got Alex Caruso fighting over screens in this scheme. That's what Alex Caruso does. He's really good at that. And it's it's uh, funneling him into Jabail McGee and Dwight Howard as rim protectors around the hoop. That's what they do. And that's the thing, Mike, that I take from this team's roster and from watching this preseason is like, Prince with the starters, for example, is like oh the things you're asking Torian Prince to do here. That's totally why Torian Prince is in the league is to do exactly that to make these five out reads the ability to either knock down the spot up three or attack the closeout, make the correct read within the five out type of scheme and all of that. And when you look at the roster from one guy to the next, there is no like Pat Pat Bev trying to guard threes analog or anything anywhere close to that. And so I think that when you put in the position to just do what they naturally do, I think that you can conjure some of that con- that continuity or that more instant chemistry when it's just like, oh, this is what I've been doing all my life.
2: Yeah, that, that totally tracks. And it's just a, when the roster makes more sense than the rotations, it's just harder to get them wrong. You know, So we could say what we think might be optimal, but you know, I've got three different versions of who could come in off the bench first and yeah. for which player. Uh, but this is all assuming that Vanderbilt is going to be out. Uh, we don't know that for a fact, though. There's still a chance that he could be cleared for the regular season opener. But sticking with the Thursday game against Phoenix, and th- this is where like we have yet to go, and certainly in asking the players or the coaching staff about matchups of other teams, teams who are really in the preseason focused on themselves, and they're not yet thinking about, all right, well, how, how is this guy going to match up in this setting when it's a Phoenix team that is um, just unique in what their makeup is? And yet the Lakers play them next week uh, in the second game of the actual regular season. So that part is interesting as well. You know, is Phoenix going to take this as a dress rehearsal and should that impact? And the reason I bring this up is to kind of kick it back to you guys. Should the Lakers be in a position where here's what the, Here's what the optimal lineup is for us early in the season. Here's, here are the, I want Jack, from Darvin's standpoint, I want Jackson Hayes coming in at this minute um, when Anthony Davis goes out. And, you know, Rui should go in when LeBron first goes out. And Gabe Vincent uh, would like to see him first play with Russell and then Reeves can come back in with LeBron, whatever those types of things are versus. These first two games are against Denver and Phoenix, you know, two the other two teams that we think are in that top tier in the West. And should the matchups influence who checks in when uh, and how different are those between Denver and Phoenix? So I know that's a lot, but what the basic question is, how much do the Lakers worry about themselves early and how much do they start to already play the matchups since they have guys that can function in different units?
1: Yeah, this is a great question. And I think that most coaches would gravitate toward figuring out who they are first and getting continuity within the team. And so that means like, no, you're not going to have a Denver specific matchup and then a Phoenix specific matchup. Now, the normal attrition of an NBA season D is going to put you into those circumstances of which I would argue that Jared Vanderbilt possibly being out is one of them. That's going to happen in different ways throughout the, the season. But I do think that the value of kind of keeping one group rather than the platooning. And this is something I was advocating for prior to the preseason. Part of my change of heart is like how damn good the stars starters looked with Prince that it's like, Hey, let's stick with this and make them match up with us. I think we've got something that, and that, that too, is, is a part of this in that, like, to what degree are you reactive to the team across from you versus establishing something that you force their hand?
3: Yeah. And I think that the, best teams are like, we're just going to do what we do and make the other team try to adjust. The interesting Mm -hmm. thing is, is that the Suns and the Nuggets will rightfully look at themselves and say, we're the best team. And so we're not changing anything either. And that's where the fun begins Mm -hmm. to see which style wins out. Um, I'm in agreement with where you're coming from, though, Pete, that it's so early in the season. I expect the coaches to say, This is what we do. This is what our traditional plan is is going to be. This is who we want to purport ourselves as and 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 see how much mileage they can get out of that before they start to make adjustments. Right. And. um, Win or lose, I think that that mentality is going to carry itself forward for a little while until the team shows that the thing definitely is not working before they start to change up. And I think that's just the nature of coaching. You coach because you have a belief in a certain set of ideals and ideas that you want to have reflected out there in, in uh, the team that you're fielding. And there's a stubbornness that comes with that belief. And the best coaches might be the most stubborn, right? It doesn't mean that they're also not adaptable and that they can't change, but there's definitely a through line um, with they their philosophy. They believe what they believe for a reason. Yeah, because, most, because it's gotten them to the point that they are, especially when, when we're talking about the NBA. And so I'm, I'm more of the mind to, to speak to Mike's question that I don't think a matchup with Denver is going to be significantly different than a matchup versus the Suns from the Lakers' perspective of, like, this is our rotation and these are the groups of guys that, that we're playing. I think they're going to approach it the same. Now, what that exactly looks like is a question that I think we want to get into after the break.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all
3: So Mike, you're asking what we think the Lakers rotation is going to look like. And I think it is correct that we should operate under the assumption that Vando is not going to play. He's certainly not playing on Thursday night for the preseason finale. But I also think that um, we then have to carry that forward a little bit. And if he does play in the season opener, great. But if he's not available, that's one thing. And so Pete, Darvin's been playing at Coy with the fifth starter and he keeps declining to answer the, well, the question, but I have you right here in front of me and the pot is your namesake. So you
1: can't dodge me here.
3: (laughs) Who do you you think is going to be the fifth starter and who do you think should be the fifth starter?
1: I feel like it's got to be Prince. I, you know, I texted you guys, I think every game like, oh, we got 20 points before the six minute mark again. Right. And LeBron has played in two halves of basketball. We have scored 145 points in those two halves um, against Brooklyn and Golden State. Um, and so to me, that unit was just so peanut butter and jelly that I, I think you got to stick with that. Even, even when Vando comes back, we'll continue to have those types of conversations. But for me, it's a pretty clear – I'm pretty clear on, on Prince. Do you guys disagree? Is Do either of you guys uh, have a different take on that? I'm in agreement. I think that Prince
3: has to be the guy, especially with Vando out. Like, I don't think it could be Rui at
2: this point. Yeah, certainly Prince is the best option for what the Lakers have available. And we've discussed the limited amount of continuity they've been able to have across the preseason games. And that's been the one thing that has been stable Uh, after that first game that was rough up in the Bay, uh, up in Golden State. Prince has been really solid. He's been shooting the ball well. I think his defense has been pretty good. I will continue to emphasize that I would love to see him grab more than one rebound, uh, which in a lot of games is all that he had. Uh, but that's that's something that we'll see as he actually gets real minutes in a real game and um, how that plays out. And, and if that Lakers unit is able to be OK on the boards, basically because of Anthony Davis mm-hmm. uh, and if d is is sort of cracking back and you know how into that is LeBron going to be. So that that remains kind of my concern area. The, the only point with Vanderbilt we've made before, so I don't think we have to do it again, it's who can go ahead and take on that challenge of an elite wing or guard uh, from a defensive standpoint. But he ha- leaves. He has some things that he takes off the table that, Trin- that Prince presents. And it's like you're going from, specifically against Denver now and kind of moving past the preseason matchup with Phoenix. Denver's used to seeing the Lakers either start with Vanderbilt and they have their whole scheme for how to deal with that. Um, not only are you going from... an actual real three point shooter in Prince, but you're also going to five out and Anthony Davis potentially being a more of a threat from there and bringing Jokic potentially out further um, in these, in these five out settings. And to me, I like that. So this is kind of why I was hinting at not necessarily what the rotation is, but just hitting Denver with a different pitch um, in that first game than what they've seen. And I think Prince doubly accomplishes that. Plus, you don't really need Vanderbilt in that instance, like with you know Murray. They if the Lakers use the same coverages that they used, that they were just letting Murray shoot anyway, which I didn't love. Uh, but we'll see again what that what that resorts into in the opener. But um, the long the long the, that's the long version. The short one is yes, it should be Prince in this context, and then we'll just wait and see uh, as Vanderbilt comes back how he's doing and, and where he can best be uh, put out by uh, in, in terms of the, what the rotation is.
3: All right, so we understand who the lakers first five is right now especially with vando out and what it should be this is a team that for the first time in several years like it's its front court depth seems to be like a real driver of what it can be as a team Right. Uh Like so even behind Prince, it's just like you've got Rui and then you've got Wood and you've got Hayes. And those are three viable front court players that have shown during the preseason that they're all capable of coming in and playing to a role and being successful in that role based off of what what the ask is. And so when three of your next like players right outside of those those three on the guard side it's like gabe right and so who is your first sub and why is it for lebron (laughs) <laughs> and so I'm so I'm sort of leading the witness here a little bit. But sure. like, where do you think things go after that? Because I think that it's looking more and more based off of the evidence that we've seen this preseason that it's like LeBron coming out early and then things getting set up for the rest of the game from there.
1: Yeah, I think Rui is probably the first sub. I think defensively, especially uh, you know with their similar body types and games, you know physically at this point, that that it's a natural sub where you can kind of kind of keep playing the same way that you were before. I think the next guy after that probably looks to be Wood, uh, and I think part of that is protecting Wood. I think that having Wood and AD on the floor at the same time for the most amount of minutes. Helps them both in a lot of ways. I would love to uh, talk more about Wood's defense as the season goes on and like the specifics of it. Cause I think there's a lot of interesting stuff there, but uh, I do think that that's probably where, where Wood comes in. And then at that point, maybe that's. You know, either Prince is subbed out or one of the guards. Again, I love seeing Prince at the two a little bit, um, and so this big front court mic where you can still space the floor and have that three wave attack of Rui, AD, and Wood, where you can still again space the floor. But I, I, I've cracked up because my dad a few times uh, during preseason has been like why's that guy guarding Rui? And I'm like, exactly, dad, exactly. You've know, you run into a lot of those situations when it's a Rui, uh, AD and Wood front court. And so to Dee's point, this is the strength of the team now, and you've got some depth at that. And that's even before we get into Hayes. So that's kind of what I see once LeBron goes out. What do you see at that part of the game?
2: Well, first of all, that's part of your rock, paper, scissor analogy that you like so much. Pete, that's kind of the rock. That's sort of, you know, who's going to deal with the hammer here from Rui uh, when you're already having to have thought about how to deal with LeBron, you know, in AD in that starting lineup. The pairing that I am interested in here and and kind of like what we've seen in the preseason so far is keeping Russell in with AD um, and kind of letting those minutes play out and D'Angelo, just such a nice sort of skill pair um, with AD and can also be protected by him defensively. And then you, I think you, you bring Gabe Vincent in for Austin, who you can then reinsert with LeBron uh, because I love lining up more of Austin and LeBron's minutes for, for multiple reasons, but just one being Austin, just a little bit better at breaking his guy down off the dribble than D'Angelo is. And then if in a a certain circumstance or game, you don't want LeBron to do it as much, Hey, here's Austin. And And they're both so smart that then Mm -hmm. he can play off of those advantage angles that Austin creates and so on. So those are those are the other ones that I like. And I think Vincent fits well with either Russell or Reeves. So it doesn't really matter in that context.
3: All right. So the next two guys up. So I'm in agreement with with all of that. Right. Like I think Rui for LeBron is is a natural sub. I actually think after that point that. Prince and Austin being replaced by potentially Hayes and mm. or wood. I'm sorry with, so mm-hmm. like creating these lineups with AD and Wood and Rui. Right. Um, and then Hayes wrapping around at the start yes. of the second quarter when, when would LeBron that comes back. LeBron, group? Y- yeah. yeah, yes. I want to backtrack though, because one of the things that I would also like to see is like, it comes down to Max's minutes. And how much is Max going to play and what is his role going to be as a thing that stood out to me the last game when so many guys sat out was the length and speed and athleticism that existed defensively when both Max and Cam were in the game together. Mm -hmm. And this is where I'm super interested in what happens with Vando in the long term because lineups that potentially have Max and Vando in them as well with like one skill guard and then LeBron and then Hayes, for for example, is like, that's super interesting to me with like, say it's Austin, Max, Vando, LeBron and Hayes. That's an interesting construct in, in my mind. And I don't want to lose Max Minutes. But we are starting to then get in this Definitely. crunch of players yep. if you're going to play Hayes as well with everyone else, because then you're asking 11 guys to play and that feels like too many. And so I've I've skipped ahead in our story a little bit here pete and already bringing vando back back into the mix but where are you at with some of those discussions about like what the lebron and maybe this is the way to introduce this idea it's like the lebron only minutes and what's Mm -hmm. that supposed to look like
1: yeah so i think hayes is is a an important character in those minutes in particular uh i think that he's able to offer a certain degree of rim protection that that wood can't um like one thing about wood is that you'll only see him contesting shots with his right hand and so he gets turned a lot and so guys will drive to woods left often to their right and go in that direction and just kind of attack him that that way over and over over again and i think that when you put that next to lebron i think that's an area that lebron needs support in at this point especially getting through 82 right is that was part of the difficulties of lebron and winning together is that if there's a guy that you can kind of go through or get to the rim on and, and attack the basket that's that's a difficulty now hayes isn't you know 2020 Dwight Howard necessarily, but he does present some advantages in athleticism there. And so that's that's why to me, that Austin and LeBron group that you were talking about, Mike, Hayes is a great big within that group. Maybe some of Rui's minutes are in that as well, since he's coming in for LeBron uh, uh, earlier. I, I want to table the Vando stuff until Vando comes back, because he's a, yeah. an interesting character that I think changes the di- dynamic a bit. But Max and yeah, Max Christie slides right into that group as well, right, and along with with Gabe Vincent. And so that to me is the spot where, like D was saying, you know, all of a sudden you got Hayes out there, you got Max out there, you've got um, you've got either Rui or or Vando down the line, right? And those types of guys are this surrounding LeBron with athleticism and guys that run the floor with that second unit. I think helps. Helps soften the blow of AD not being on the court. And to me, Mike, that's one of the biggest uh, stories about the season. How good can we be when Anthony Davis is not playing?
2: Well, it also speaks to, I'm just thinking how many times in the last two preseasons when we're recording pods. And I keep making this point, LeBron's going into year 19 or year 20. And look how they're asking him to be the best athlete on the floor. No, this doesn't work. Please like that, that kind of thing. And that's just not part of the conversation this year because of what the the Lakers did with the roster, um, with the athleticism, with the youth, with the length, with all of that stuff. So we just orchestrated a couple of different units uh, that I think work great, but I, I could give you another, actually, (laughs) let me put it this way. Like give me the worst five man combo out of these 11 guys, you know, and without being ridiculous, like there's no, you know, Wood and Hayes and AD and like no too big or too, but you can't really even get that small. Uh, I mean, like, even if you played, if you played Vincent Russell and Reeves uh, in like in Prince and AD or something like that's too small, but that group would also score a million points, mm-hmm. you know? So it's, it's, it's not difficult to <laughs> yeah. create good groups out of this. And it just, I think is going to create a lot less, Day to day, game to game, consternation, um, and it's going to be more about who's shooting the ball well, you know, uh, things along those lines, Darius, as opposed to uh, maybe a uh, uh, just why why is this unit in right now uh, in the text thread on fire? Yeah.
3: So we're the cabinet, like the president's cabinet of the Max Christie fan club, right? It's like you, like we all have jackets, yeah. Right? There's like we have monthly meetings. We exchanged notes about our love for, for Max Christie and positional size and all that we think that he can be, right? That said, he's being positioned in a certain way where I want to talk to you guys about like two small guard lineups, right? And so the Lakers have these skill guards and Gabe is the one who is coming off off of the bench. And do you see there being any sort of competition between Gabe and Max for backcourt minutes? If we're trying to also play Prince the appropriate amount of minutes, and you're talking about even playing Prince at the two Pete. And, and so I'm looking at Gabe and Max potentially as guys who are getting squeezed a little bit within the context of the rotation, but you could also make arguments for those guys to play together more without these other guys who were like already trying to get more minutes too, if that makes sense. And and so where are you at with Gabe? He missed the last game and him slotting into potentially like these more traditional two guard lineups with maybe him and D'Lo or him and Austin, where you could see that working, but then that's got to
2: come at the expense of something else as well. Well, Darius, I have an answer for you. Uh, Let's go ahead and, Get there after the break. I think I see the Max Christie competition for minutes more with two bigs between Wood and Hayes than I do between him and Vincent, uh, or this. even Prince. Yep, Because Vincent and Prince are playing. Like Prince is going to start. Vincent is coming in off the bench either as the sixth man or the seventh man depending on if you want to qualify Rui um, as the official sixth man. Like To me, those are the first front court and back court subs to come in. And on given nights, it's very easy to simply slide Prince more into a guard or like a two spot uh, and, and just hold up there as your sort of fourth perimeter player uh, and then play the extra big since it seems like Darvin's going to really want to try to find minutes for Christian Wood and Jackson Hayes has earned um, some of these minutes early. And whereas as much as all that you just said, Darius about the Max Christie fan club and not even fan club, but the yeah, we're sort of like the, um, the gate holders in, in some ways and we have stock and we have meetings and we have pins and, um, and all that. I, I don't know that I can make a good argument for him playing like over Prince in that context Uh, Whereas uh, I can, as we start to get some of the evidence about how Hayes looks in certain groups and how Wood looks in certain groups, that to me, Pete, is an easier argument to make. Well, actually, I think they benefit more from Prince sliding up and getting the shooting and uh, that way and then having these perimeter minutes for Max in part because of his defense Mm -hmm. and shooting and lack of usage. And so usually these like these problems to me, are, these are the actual good ones. When coaches say they have good problems, mm-hmm. I don't always agree with it because it's <laughs> yeah. not easy in the locker room to make everyone happy, but it's just, it's easier. Like, Max has already established that like he's ready to do whatever the team needs in a given spot, and I think it's harder to do that with like a Christian Wood coming in where you do kind of have to give them those, those early minutes and those early shots as being a vet and all that, uh, but that's the way that I would frame it, Pete, is Prince, Vincent are playing, and then... Hayes and Wood show that you deserve Mm -hmm. to be on the court in these minutes in in certain lineups because otherwise we'll just play a little smaller while not being too small because Max is a big guard.
1: Yeah, I think you're spot on with that. And I think that's also why, like, the – The two guard spot, like that's why I wonder if Austin does come back in with that LeBron group, is that could very easily be a backcourt of Gabe and Max. And Gabe is a really good pick and roll player. And just in general, like Gabe, I agree with your perspective, Mike, that he's not like in competition with Max in that. Gabe's a really versatile guard in that he can be what you need him to be in that game versus that other team. He's not like the best player at the thing you're going to ask him to do, but he can do a bunch of different things at a, a solid level. And that's a super important attribute to have. And so... I think that, you know, there's a good chance that say those LeBron groups without AD on the floor, the backcourt is a defensive backcourt, but with a guard like Gabe who can run ball screens. And so it's Gabe and Max in the backcourt. And then that's probably going to run concurrent with Rui's shift since he came in around the six minute mark. And so you got the, that front court of like a Rui LeBron Hayes which got good size and it's got good spacing around Hayes. Hayes is the only kind of non-shooter in that group. And you probably play through LeBron a little bit more there, D, uh, in, in that group. But when I look at that just overall type of lineup, it's like this group has the size to be able to get rebounds without needing LeBron to be a monster on the boards. They can defend at the point of attack that in a way that makes not having Anthony Davis on the floor a little less harmful. And they've got a guy at the five spot that... Jackson Hayes is not Anthony Davis but he can impact the game with his athleticism and physical tools in a way that's more comparable than anybody we've had at that back backup 5 spot in the last couple of years. And so that to me like even if you don't put Austin back in the game there, you can still have a really good second group and it kind of speaks to the depth of the team in that you have a bunch of different options that where you can get through an 82 game season and then maybe in maybe Come playoff time, that's Austin Mike taking Max's minutes, subbing back in, having his minutes go up. So a lot of, lot of choices here.
2: Quick jumping, uh, add-on question, Darius, just to flip this to you, and Pete, feel free to jump back in with it. If we're assuming, and it shouldn't be a hard assumption, but Austin is increasing his role, is going to be playing more, how many minutes are there actually even available if we're getting him closer to like 35 Which, you know, basically the superstar minutes like LeBron and AD, like is, can you still play, you know, that uh, whether it's forget Max, but just like Gabe and Prince in that spot. How have you guys done any of that math yet as to like how many minutes are even available? Because I was just thinking this as we're talking about Austin, because his minutes need to go up. All right. And certainly what they were in the postseason.
1: I'm super curious to see what this looks like, Mike, when we have all our guys available, because I have written it out right from the. From tip-off to the end of the game. And that whole point, it's something like, oh, somebody pretty good is not going to be able to play.
3: Someone's going to get squeezed. It's like, yeah, the number of guys who have sat out in preseason games, one of the ideas that it's masked is those good problem ideas which is like who plays and how much and Darwin being able to basically kick some of these games away and like not even care by basically saying, "Okay, everyone's sitting down now and -hmm. we're playing the five young guys. There's going to be games where that's those things are no longer on the table. Right. And so Vando's health notwithstanding, we'll get answers on him eventually. But there is going to be a time where I think we're all going to hope that the Lakers top 11 or 12 players are all available at the same time. While we can say with pretty much certainty that over the course of of a full season, that might be the case for 20 games or 25 games, maybe, right? That all of your top like 10 or 11 rotation choices are all available during the same game. But that means in those 20 games, you need to have a plan for what your rotation is going to look like. And one or two guys are going to be like sort of Will Smith at the end of that Fresh Prince episode, right? Where he's just like, looking around, like, where are my minutes?
1: What about me? Yeah.
3: Yeah. Like where are my minutes at? Because there's too many there's too many guys who not only expect to play but should play right and so even when you were talking Pete and you're making this this very eloquent argument around like Max and Max and Gabe, and and then you've got Rui and LeBron, and then the athletes and Wood, and who's going to guard all all of these guys and point of attack defense in the backcourt? And I, I'm I'm nodding right with you. I'm just like, <laughs> oh, you're selling me. And then I'm like, wait, this comes at the expense of Austin Reeves' minutes. Wait, wait, I, wait, I, wait, I want I, Austin Reeves I, to play. Yes, yeah. Like yeah. I suddenly don't like this as much, even though I like it a lot. And these are this is the push and pull that. Darvin is going to have to manage this season, and it's a different sort of issues that he had to try to manage last season, right? Now, Darvin has proven to me quite deft at how he's managed egos and personalities and worked with his leaders on the team, like in the locker room, to help ensure that everyone is on the same page. I think this is like one of his strengths as as a head coach. And he has done a great job of keeping everyone feeling like they're gonna get their opportunity and stay ready. And he could always point to examples from last season about like, look how it worked out for Lonnie or 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 look how it came back around to player X right? But these are some of the challenges, Mike, that I think he's, he's going to face this year. And while I agree that some good problems are just problems, and some good problems are actually good to have. And I'm not all the way yet convinced that this is one of those where it's just going to be good, but it's, it's still about the leadership of the team and the mindset of, of everyone involved. And for me, at least, I do believe in that stuff. So I'm optimistic.
2: Okay, so Pete, without revealing the entire spreadsheet, just give me the quick entree as to who who is going to get squeezed a little bit more than you would like uh, or just by necessity, based on LeBron, AD and Austin minutes alone, you know, being close to 35.
1: I'm super curious how Vando fits in in terms of the rotation. And one of the big reasons is because of the offensive fit, like a pot or two ago, Darius was talking about Vando as the five, right. And how that's his natural position. But if the starting group works with Prince in terms of, if that's something that they are going to go with, you probably want to avoid the Vando Hayes combo. And so there's this sort of like three-way, maybe uh, four-way, you know, uh, musical chairs of which one guy gets squeezed to me between Max, Vando, Hayes, and Wood. And I think you can get all but one of those guys minutes. But again, all, I think four of those guys have compelling cases to play. And so what that looks like when everybody's there, this might be a season D where it's like, Oh, we have this thing where it's like, Hey, somebody's got an ankle or something that's bothering them. Maybe the team's a little bit more, you know, geared toward okay, you can you can sit tonight, right? Type of thing. That that to me is sort of avoiding the uh, the uh, the sure. elephant in the room, right? But yes. that to me is is the foursome that you know is kind of at the end that could be squeezed out. How, how do you see it, Mike? I'm going to reframe it for you too. Pete just named four like four guys.
3: Those other seven that he did not name: Ad, LeBron, Austin, D'Lo, right? Prince and Gabe, those are the seven guys who we're just like, you're, and sorry, Rui, like you are the seven guys who are playing for sure. You're definitely played. And so take that in whatever direction you want, but
2: please. Yeah. The the way that I meant it was, was less about sort of who's not playing on a given night and more like of those seven, you know, and specifically, I think this is Hachimura, Vincent, Russell Prince like guys that could all be playing 30 to 35 minutes that are going to have to be playing 20 to 25 minutes that that's and that to me is impactful for, for dudes that are, that know that they're good enough for more minutes, but sort of are, in some ways sacrificing production and usage because it's not, there are three guys that it's, it's not coming off their plate. I would love for some of it to come off LeBron's, but he's just never even hinted that he's not going to want to play 35 minutes. And of course he, if he wants to, then he certainly deserves to be playing that much. It would, it would really have to be more like LeBron doing a wholesale change uh, in his playing time. And I just, I think LeBron would rather be on the court and, you know, yeah. have uh, have some other guys initiate action at, at certain times as opposed to just sitting and only playing 30 a night so that's all because i if did let me did just keeping that alone that thought alone even if we don't think it's possible lebron at 30 minutes versus lebron at 35 does that have any interest to you um if you could be persuaded
1: Heck yeah if lebron could be i mean to me it's all about lebron's physical preparation and just the fact that he's here at the level of game that he's at, you know, is uh, speaks to him knowing what he needs physically. But I think we've seen sort of a tune-up from him, D, in that he's played in every other game. It's like, and when he does, it's like, I'm going to play 18 minutes in the first half. I'm going to play a legitimate half that simulates yeah. what I'm actually going to do. That very well may be just part of how he is, it, like the the routine yeah. he needs to stay on. And if he determines that, hey, that's, that's got to come before anything.
3: So. The LeBron question is an open question that I feel like we're gonna have probably two or three months to keep revisiting as a topic about a how how he's playing, which I expect to be at a high level, but b like what's the what's the nature of the team? how much are they winning? Is he getting to thirty two minutes or thirty minutes organically because the Lakers are winning games and they're comfortable wins right. like that's like that'd be a great hope of mine. Um, one of the reasons why his minutes were up last season was because a of yeah. the injuries, yeah. but B, because it's like he had to play so much just to keep the Lakers yeah. in these games we have and win they this started game to tonight. Intend. Yeah. Yes. It's just like, like the level of stakes was elevated way too early in the season for anyone's liking. And no one was impacted more than that, than, or by that more than LeBron. And then second, like a D. Right. Like they were the guys who who had to carry so, so much more. Um, I know we're going to wrap up, but I'm going to leave this as an enclave to the next pod. Mike, you asked who from that group of guys do we not or do we do we think are going to get squeezed? I can tell you that the two guys who I don't want to necessarily get squeezed and it's based off of how they've played this preseason is D'Angelo Russell and Rui Hachimura. Because those two guys look like they have come into this season ready to compete and ready to play hard and ready to produce at the level that is expected of them based off of their pedigree as players. And we could couch this topic for another pod, but I am super excited about D'Lo in particular, but Rui as well sort of showing like, I've got a level that I can hit. And I think those two guys are going to be key drivers for
2: this roster. Russell's at worst on, and this is just not scientific, but from watching the pass and checking every box score at worst on all NBA second team preseason. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling, like really yeah. uh, now also Jonathan Kaminga might be on all second team, uh, like, uh, big, uh, so that it's, it's not completely, some of it has to do with playing time, but he like, he's been terrific uh, yep. and, and should get his props for it.
1: All right. Got one more, uh, on Thursday, I wrap up a, a productive preseason. We will be back, uh, probably on Friday, to discuss how it went. But until then, you've been listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time.
3: Danger's got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tipped to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. That's Magic, got
1: it. Magic fires. It's yeah, the Lakers win the game! The Lakers win the game! Three seconds left. That next to the winner. It. It's on the way. Yeah. Yeah. 4 Holy one.
2: 16
0: rebounds. Back with his 8th block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, standing so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding
2: me? Kobe, hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal! Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push...
0: Bryant spinning in the lane, back for Gasol, pretty pass, and it's back to a three-point game.
1: Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell.
0: There's the move, two, one, missing. It's over. And shot clock out of five. Bryant, yeah. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry.